0: Holy God, mighty and immortal, you are beyond our knowing, yet we see your glory in the face of Jesus Christ, whose compassion lumens the world, transform us into the likeness of the love of Christ, who renewed our humanity so that we may share in his divinity, the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. Holy God, you have revealed the glory of your love in Jesus Christ and have given us a share in your Spirit. May we who listen to Christ follow faithfully and... In the dark places where you send us, reveal the light of your gospel. Amen. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 50, and I'll read the first six verses of Psalm 50. Psalm 50 verses 1 through 6 says, The mighty one God, the Lord, speaks... And summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him, and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth that he may judge his people saying gather to me this consecrated people who make who made a covenant with me by sacrifice and in response the heavens will proclaim his righteousness for he is a god of justice in just a moment tom and ty are going to lead us in a few songs And then after that, we'll have some time of prayer together and um, would just encourage all of us to allow these moments to be peaceful, allow these moments to be ones where we can just breathe, be in the presence of God, be in each other's presence as well. So Lord, as we engage with these songs, would you speak to us, whether we're singing along or humming along or simply listening, would we be able to hear your voice? Would you draw near to us and would you encounter us here? Give us ears to hear your voice. Give us eyes to see you at work among us. As we begin our weeks together, would we commit to you playing the central role, the key role in our weeks. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul writes a letter to the church that gathers in a town called Corinth. Our Bibles account for two letters, and this is a reading from the second one, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 3 through 6. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age, and it would be worth noting that there's a lowercase g, what I just read, That's a phrase. The God of this age has blinded the minds of people who don't believe yet. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of uppercase G God. I'm going to work through verse 4 again. There is a lowercase g God of this age that is blinding people preventing them from being able to see the light of the gospel of Christ. Did Paul write this yesterday? <laughs> or did he write this thousands of years ago? Goodness. For what we preach is not ourselves, but what we do preach is Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who said, let light shine out of darkness. And it is that same God who made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We're going to have a moment here where, where we pray together and um, just trust that that God has laid things on your heart, put things in your mind uh, to pray about. Uh, th- this is a time we call prayers of the people because we want to create space for the people to pray. So it could be for you, it could be for someone you know. It could be for a situation you know of, it could be for, Something happening around here, it could be something happening on the other side of the planet. Um, we want space to be created for for you all, for us all to simply come before the Father uh, so so what we'll do? we started this last week and, and we're going to this is just a slightly new rhythm to to our prayers of the people time. Um, I will pray very briefly, leading us into a time of prayer. I'll be still, I'll be silent, giving us all a chance to pray. And then I will list off these short phrases, um, asking God to to hear these things, and then we'll all say together, Lord, hear our prayer. Um, There's a piece of paper you see here, and there will be a piece of paper here near the altar with a pen on top of it every single week from here on out. And as, as you come and go from this place, if there's something you're walking in with that you want said during this time, then you can write those things down there. And then before our service begins, I'm going to, on my way up here, I'll simply grab those and then read those off um, during that time where we ask God to hear our prayer. So that'll be a new rhythm that we'll ease into and just a space provided for us to, to lift things up as a church family. So let's pray together. God, as your son drew apart to be in prayer with you, so we offer our prayers for the transformation of the world, for the transformation of the church. Oh God, we ask that you would be with those who work in health care who are being stretched during this pandemic. Lord, hear our prayer. Oh God, we ask that you would be with those who are serving right now on the front lines of justice initiatives. Lord, hear our prayer. God, we ask that you would be with the widows that are in our faith community that you've entrusted us in the care of. We pray for Joan and Jeanette and Sharon, asking that they would be safe and warm this day. Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, we thank you for this neighborhood and ask that you would continue to dwell here and not only here, but in the places where we live and the places where we work and spend time with our friends and loved ones. Lord, hear our prayer. You revealed your glory and presence in your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, receive our prayers and reveal the glory and presence of your Spirit alive in the world today free us from all doubts, and empower us to act as a transfigured people. Amen. And amen. That word transfigured, if you've been in and out of church enough, perhaps familiar enough with the gospel accounts, there is this weird (laughs) story called the transfiguration of Jesus. We're going to be talking about that today. There's a few different accounts depending on which gospel you're reading from. I'll be reading the Transfiguration account from the Gospel of Mark this morning. So I'll be in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, and that story begins at verse 2. And I'll go ahead and read that passage and share a few thoughts on it as we consider our theme of listening to Jesus. Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 2, says this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there also appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here, so let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because they were so frightened. I've been there before. (laughs) Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And they kept the matter to themselves, Discussing what risen from the dead meant. (laughs) They asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come. And they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. And we will go ahead and leave it at that. The final week of the season of Epiphany always includes this story. It it, it always includes this account of the transfiguration of Jesus. And there is both great complexity in this passage as well as heavy, heavy, heavy amounts of imagery and symbolism and, and different things happening. And at the same time, there is also a, a decent amount of simplicity <laughs> to be found in this passage as well. And for the sake of time and space, we're going to lean towards simplicity <laughs> to be found here as Jesus is revealed to us in yet another way. The way I saw it, I could give you 10 minutes, or I could give you three hours. (laughs) And I thought, let's let's go for 10 minutes. (laughs) A careful observer, we talked about this already, will remember that the season of Epiphany begins with the account of Jesus's baptism through the ministry of John the Baptist which is highlighted by a tearing open of the heavens and the voice of God proclaiming, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. In the gospel of Mark, that's happening in Mark chapter 1. The accounts of Jesus' baptism and transfiguration have at least one thing in common. And that thing is that God is tearing open the heavens and breaking the sound barrier to say something. (laughs) And those are two important things for a passage to have in common. This time in Mark chapter 9, this time during the transfiguration, there is a distinct difference in the words that God is accounted for in speaking. Whereas the baptism of Jesus, God says, This is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. This time during the transfiguration, God says, This is my son, check, whom I love, check, listen to him. So, leaning towards simplicity, my job becomes quite simple. And so I simply say, We have to listen to Jesus. (laughs) We've got to do it. That's the sermon. We have to listen to Jesus. Because this is what's also happening, is that in the presence of two of the greatest voices of the Hebrew Bible, that is the Old Testament. We're talking about in the presence of Moses, right? The mouthpiece of Exodus, <laughs> as far as the mouthpiece of God is concerned. Elijah the prophet, these powerful mega voices that we read about, in the Hebrew Scriptures. In their presence, God does not say, listen to these three people whom I love. (laughs) And God does not say, listen to what Elijah and Moses have to say about my son Jesus. But in the presence of prophets and disciples alike, God says to us and the world, listen to Jesus. So what does it mean to listen to Jesus? Well, I think we have every reason to take this part of Scripture as literally and as seriously as we possibly can. I really do. And I wouldn't say that about uh, all parts of Scripture, but I would say that about this one, is that we could glean from this, is that we are to listen, from, listen to Jesus. But, but what does that mean? Well, aside from uh, listening to Jesus in, in perhaps a way in which we've heard the voice of Jesus before or some kind of prompting through the Spirit, it could mean that we are really to tune into and listen to Jesus' teachings as revealed in the Scriptures, uh, different parables. Uh, looking at just the example of Jesus could be a way of listening to Him. There, there might be something that Jesus is accounted for in doing in the Scriptures where Jesus isn't necessarily even talking, but just the example of the way in which Jesus lived is a way to listen to Jesus. A great place to begin in gaining insights into the voice of Jesus that we're supposed to listen to is the Sermon on the Mount. I know all of you are familiar with that passage found in the Gospel of Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. If, if we really want to do a reset, if we, will, if we are really wanting to focus in on what is the voice of Jesus, what is Jesus trying to say, the Sermon on the Mount, there might not be a better place to start. In our listening, there is fruit or evidence that will develop that will prove if we are listening to Jesus. It's one thing to commit to listening but what we've learned from other teachings from Jesus is that there's going to be fruit that is born there there is going to be evidence that manifests itself and so I'm going to offer a list it's not complete and exhaustive but asking the question what does the life of someone who listens to Jesus look like is where I'm headed of course, of course, it is marked by unconditional love. It's marked by the extension of forgiveness over personal preference. At times, it is marked by the courage to speak up against an injustice and speak up against what is wrong. At other times, it's the courage to remain silent. What does the life of someone who listens to Jesus look like? Uh, it, It could look like because of a deep desire and effort, this person will get along with and be welcomed by others from all different walks of life. What I mean by that is, Look at all of the people Jesus was not talking to, but around tables with, right? Around meal tables with, seen in public, talking to, sitting down with, taking the time to interact with. Jesus welcoming those people, but those people welcoming him. Not one time in the Gospels does an author mention Jesus tried to talk to that prostitute, but uh, the prostitute said, no, get away from me. (laughs) There's there's something happening between the lines of these passages where Jesus is being invited to dinner by tax collectors. (laughs) Tax collectors going out of their way to invite over to dinner the person who at times preaches against their way of life. (laughs) How on earth (laughs) did Jesus behave? (laughs) How on earth could Jesus have carried himself to where he is being welcomed by others? What does the life of a community of people, in this case a church, what is the life of a community of people that listens to Jesus looks like? Here's a few ideas. It's not a complete or exhaustive list. A community of people listening to Jesus could arguably be the most welcoming and inclusive group that there has ever been, potentially. If, if Jesus was as inclusive as a, of a person that there's ever been, then a church that listens to Jesus should, should be perhaps just inclusive. Um, what does the life of a community of people look like that listens to Jesus should be very sacrificial leading with servanthood, wanting to serve those around them, the places that they find themselves in. It should be a supportive and encouraging and forgiving and growing and and dedicated group of people. It's everyone mattering, everyone going all in with what they have, and folks never giving up on themselves or each other. I'm encouraged that when I wrote that list, when I was preparing for this, for this small talk, I, I was able to think of examples of ReachWay. Like, that was fun. Like it was, I, I love the fact that we can draw these conclusions and we don't have to look far to see examples of what it looks like for a community of people to be those things, to be welcoming, to be supportive, to be encouraging, to be dedicated to one another. I love that. I love that. So in conclusion, concluding this talk, concluding my brilliant scholarly thoughts on the transfiguration, right? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, as we as we wrap up the season of Epiphany, as we Slowly posture our hearts and minds and lives towards Lent and the Easter celebration. God has spoken once again about God's beloved child. We are witnesses to both accounts of the baptism and the transfiguration. In light of God's speaking, in light of the fact that we have witnessed these things, there's only one thing left for us to do. Listen to Jesus.